Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast today is dedicated in loving memory and Lilui Nishmat Rita Bat Salamon, Lea Shalom, sponsored by Murray Dayan. Also, Irifuashilema of Ezra Ben Victoria, any mystery sponsored by Pauline and Soli Asar. Irifuashilema Vekarov. Breakfast is also sponsored, loving memory of Raymond and David Sofar Alea Mashalom, Lilui Nishmatem, David Ben Naima, and Simha Bat Hana Alea Mashalom, sponsored by the son. Edward Sofer. <clears throat> the, the, the parasha ended last week with Moshe Rabbeinu complaining to God. Um, and he said to God, he said to him, Lama Why have you done bad to these people? And why have you sent me? Because since I went to Paro, the only thing that happened was it got worse. We spoke a little bit about this on Shabbat. Now we know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu opens up the parasha and he's complaining, so to speak. He's arguing, he's judging Moshe Rabbeinu harshly for speaking to him that way. And the Sefarim tell us something magnificent. I read something that was so beautifully expressed. It said as follows. What God was upset with Moshe about was not that Moshe was fighting with him. In fact, what God wanted from Moshe Rabbeinu was that he should be someone that protected the people. It is for no, it is not a mistake that Moshe Rabbeinu, who was a shepherd, was hired to be a shepherd. He's called, he was Ro'eh Tzon, and he's also called Ro'eh Yisrael, the shepherd of Israel. We even sing it in the song, Ro'eh Ne'emanu, right? He's a faithful shepherd. God hired Moshe to fight with him. I need you to hear the power of those ideas. What is a leader supposed to do? He's supposed to stand up and say to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when the judgment is coming, when things are bad, when there's problems in the community, he's supposed to fight with Hashem. God was upset though at one word that Moshe said. Lama hareota. Why have you done evil? Why have you done bad to the people? God says to Moshe, and listen to these words, He says, you think I lo lechinam shelachticha? You think I said I didn't send you here for nothing? Only to keep the words that I promised the forefathers. I want you to imagine, just for a second. I know some cases like this. You have a husband and wife who are getting divorced. The wife, she's a little bit all over the place. So who pays for the lawyer for the wife? to be able to stand for her in the divorce trial. The husband pays her. Anyway, the, the, the woman is sitting speaking with the lawyer, and the lawyer comes to the guy and he's like, how dare you do this? How dare you do that? You're selfish. The guy says, selfish? Dib. I'm the guy who's paying your salary so that my wife would have someone fighting for her in this case that she shouldn't be taken advantage of, so that the lawyers shouldn't sweep things under the rug and things shouldn't happen either to her or to the family that I care about. You know, it is possible if a person gets divorced for an ex-husband to still love his wife, just not as a husband. He still cares for her, still thinks she's a wonderful person. But for whatever reason, they can't live together anymore. Sometimes their religious level changes. Sometimes their goals change. Sometimes their standard of living changes. There's lots of different things that can get between a husband and a wife. And I'm not saying that they're right or wrong. I'm just saying that is the reality. It doesn't mean that suddenly they're, they're public enemy number one. So the husband says to the, to the lawyer, are you out of your mind? Who's paying your bill at the end of the day? It's me. Borel Lam says to Moshe Rabbeinu, are you serious right now? 
למה הריאות על העם הזה, ולמה זה ש... I hired you! I put you here. I'm paying you salary, כביכול, so to speak. You think I'm doing this only to get the Jews? You think the work got worse because I forgot about them? Or because I was trying to do evil to them? I don't think you understand what's going on. The only reason why I put you here was to fulfill my promise to the Avot to HaKedoshim, to the forefathers. Now let's pay close attention to Rashi's words. Ki im l'kayem devarai. What do those words mean? I only, I sent you, lo l'chinam I didn't send you here for nothing. Ki im l'kayem, to fulfill devarai, my words, that I spoke that I spoke to the forefathers. What does that mean? So they tell a story about a man who lived poverty his whole life. He was a sadiq. He was so great. He was so wise. He was so kind. Doing everything right, Rabotai. And he goes from, step to, from stage to stage, you know, in his life, always with a smile, always happy, but always not knowing how he's going to get by. Okay. One day, uh, it's Rosh Hashanah, right before Rosh Hashanah, and he remembers his rabbi used to say that a person has to open up possibilities for God to give him blessing. You can't just say, God bless me. You have to put in some effort to that blessing as well. So of course a person does regular hishtadlut, but if a person wants to make an opening for a big beracha, you can't say, here's my opening, I'm going to sell an apple for 50 cents. Because how, how could that open up big... How is that a hishtadlut for massive beracha? So you remember this rabbi said to him that once a year, before Rosh Hashanah, he should buy a lottery ticket. How that goes to the mega billion lottery ticket. He buys a lottery ticket, comes home, and uh, that afternoon he tunes in, and he can't believe it. One number after the next, after the next. He's nailed it. And then the Powerball, I don't know lottery tickets, but the Powerball extra numbers, I don't know how that works, but you know, what is 36. Unbelievable, he's going crazy. The next up, boom, it's it. He can't even, he can't even breathe. How much is the thing? How much he goes to ask the clerk in the deli, but out showing him the ticket. How much is the prize? He said, uh, prize is two bill, uh, billion five. He said, billion five, wow. He said, did anyone else win? He says, no, there's one winner. Now he's got the thing burning a hole in his pocket. Comes home, he feels not like a million dollars, not like a billion dollars, but a billion and a half dollars. I don't know what the difference is in the feeling. I've not personally experienced it. We should be Hashem Alechem like we say. We should all be merit to have that feeling. So he comes home. He comes home. He feels amazing. And his wife is, you know, she's this. She's anxious. Everybody has nerves. The kids are crying. This guy is floating. He's like, give me the kid that just threw up. Let me hold him. <laughs> He's like, hey, what's a goal? He's like, you messed up on the dinner? No problem. I'll make another one. It had that saint the whole evening. Till finally, everyone in the family notices. He gathers everyone around the table. He says, my dear wife, my dear children, we will suffer no more. In my pocket, I have the winning ticket of the billion five mega billions lottery ticket. It's it. We won. The lives are gonna, our lives are going to change. We're moving out of this apartment. We're going to move to a beautiful house. The kids say, what house? He says, what house? Come over here. They all come. He goes on to Google. He, you know, he goes to the Zillow or a Street Easy, right? He picks houses in their area. And then he goes to the little button in the upper right-hand corner, sort. And he goes, price, 
highest to lowest. <laughs> he chooses the most expensive house, the biggest house. He says, this is where we're going to live, uh, my, my, you know, my children. Then he said, what kind of car? They're choosing cars, they're choosing houses, everything. And you know what? He can't spend the money. It's not, as much as he's going to buy, he can't, you can't spend that much money, even if he takes it in a lump sum, right? They have the most unbelievable, they don't sleep one minute the whole night. Anyway, the next morning, the guy puts on his Shabbat clothing because his uh, regular clothing has throw up on the shoulder, right? <laughs> he puts on the Shabbat clothing. He gets on the train. How that? He, he can barely afford the train journey to go pick up his money. He goes down to the office and he presents him with the ticket. And he can't, he's, you know, Anyway, the guy's reading the ticket. He says, uh, Sir, uh, the, Wrong day. the number. The number, the middle number over there that you said is, is not the right number. It's, it's, it's not, it wasn't 7D, it was 17. He heard the number wrong. He says, thank you very much. <laughs> Takes a deep breath, puts it in his pocket. Gets on the train on, on the way back home. Could you imagine the train ride? <laughs> Hadad was never a bigger disappointment. His wife and children he's about to be. But he starts smiling on the train. Not only is he smiling, he starts laughing. Not maniacal laughter, the guy lost his mind. He's <laughs> laughing. He comes back home, big smile on his face. They say, do you have the check? When is the, you know, they be- the Brinks trucks arriving? He says, um, he says uh, no, no, it was a, it was a mix-up. <laughs> There's a small, funny story. <laughs> there was a mix-up. The ticket didn't say 17. It said 70. I heard the numbers wrong. Uh, we didn't win. They were like, what do you mean? We, did we win part? Nope, we didn't, we didn't win at all. They said, what do you mean? But, we, but why? But the car, the house, and this. And I had this still big smile on his face. Finally, everybody's asking this, that, this, that. His wife, she loses it. His wife says... How are you smiling? We're all crushed. You brought our hopes to the top, the highest heights, and now we're all decimated and you're smiling? What's the matter with you? And the husband says, listen to this, Rabbi The husband says, if a person has a gezerah, if a person has something that's supposed to happen to them, so where does HaKadosh Baruch Hu go first? to take that debt. If something, they've done something wrong, they need a punishment, they need a correction. So God doesn't want to strike the person first. He doesn't want the guy to get sick with the some incurable disease. He doesn't want one of the kids to pass away. He doesn't want the family you know, to get divorced. He doesn't want that to happen. So what does he do? He takes the house. He has, they makes a car crash, they total the car. <laughs> Miracle of miracles. The guy is, is fine, he gets out of it. But he smiles at his wife and his kids and he says, but we didn't have a house and we didn't have a car and we didn't have a bank account. So what did God do so that he could give us the kapara that we need and at the same time not cause a hair on, the, on the, each one, anyone in the family to be damaged? What did God do? He gave us money. He gave us a house, he gave us a car, so that we could lose it. In our minds, last night we had something, but what did we actually lose? Zero. What an unbelievable thing this is. 
because I think of this every time, not where I actually get hurt, <coughs> where the only thing that was hurt is my expectations. Because even the expectations, to lose that in our mind, in our lives, that's real. To lose the expectation of something. You know, sometimes a person is go, goes out on a date, they think this is the one. They go out once, twice, three times, the other person says, I'm sorry, Hadda's ready to propose, the other one says, yeah, I'm sorry, I don't feel anything. You're like, oh. <laughs> right? The guy, I can't believe what I lost. I love to tell the guy, you didn't lose anything. Like, it's, it's true that you felt something, but if they didn't feel anything, this wasn't actually something. You didn't actually lose a relationship. There was no relationship. You liked somebody, they didn't like you back. But I learned from this, I was wrong. What are you talking about? They lost someone in their minds, and that is also taken off of the account. God says to Moshe, the Jews are working harder. You think I sent you, and then the situation got worse? The situation didn't get worse. L'kayem devarai, to keep, to fulfill the words, shedibarti le'avot arishonim, that I said to the, for, to the forefathers. What were the words that God said to the forefathers? They're going to work hard for 400 years. But the Jewish people had not been there for 400 years. They'd been there for a little bit more, a drop more than half. Had they waited another 190 years, not only would they have not survived, our Chachamim uh, tell us they never would have been able to leave Egypt. So what does God do? He has the Jews work overtime. And when you work overtime, you get paid time and a half. Time and a half, Rabotai. Not only are you going to make the bricks, now you're going to make the bricks with the straw. The Jews complain to Moshe. Fine, get it. Sympathy, 100%. Compassion, 100%. What's Moshe supposed to do? Turn around to God. Complain to Hashem. Hashem, please have mercy, etc. But to say to Hashem, Lama hare ota. How could you do this to me? I still remember uh, when I was a young child. It was my birthday, and my grandfather, Alava Shalom, he lived in South Bend. So we didn't get to see him that often. But every once in a while, he'd come to visit. So this time, he happened to be, maybe I was eight years old. He happened to be in deal on my birthday. And he says, Shalom will get in the car. We're going to go buy a birthday present. Takes me to Toys R Us. He says, buy whatever you like. I was an eight-year-old kid, you know. Now, if I was a little bit older, I would have bought all the PS4s and then set up a stand outside of Toys R Us and sold them for 10% less. But that's just a Syrian in me. The point is that at the time I was a little kid, what did I do? I chose all of the action figures of the, uh, of the superheroes. Superman, Spider-Man, Batman, all of them. Maybe 10 of them, 15 of them, I don't even know how many. As many as my little arms could carry. I was going to have wars in my room. I was... I got home. My mother took one look. 15 birthday presents you need. She said, you keep one, all the rest are going back. So if anyone's listening on this recording, as soon as you get your presents, open them so they can't be returned. That was the lesson I learned for life. From that moment, I was so angry. I can't even describe to you. I was so angry. I went upstairs. I still remember this. Maybe I was seven or eight. I ran upstairs. 
I was so angry. I ran, I hid underneath my, my baby's crib. I was crying. And I remember I cursed my parents. I mean, what does a seven-year-old know from cursing? <laughs> you're the stupid head. You know, that's like, you know, you're cursing, you know, you know? And I cursed Hashem. Could you believe that? Little child. Again, what does it mean to curse Hashem? I don't you know, you're seven years old. But I, I did the best I could to scream at Hashem. How could you do this to me? How could you give me something only to take it away? The Jewish people were given freedom by Moshe Rabbeinu. And then, right after they're given freedom, they're given more work, more work. Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, Rochi, don't you see? Don't you see? This is for you. L'kayem devarai, to keep the words that I said to the forefathers. You have to be here 400 years. If I let you have this, you know what will happen? The price won't be that you have less work. The price will be that you won't exist. Had we stayed there any longer, we never would have gotten out. We would still, like the, we say in the Haggadah, Adayin, Anu, Ubanenu, Ubnei Banenu, we and our children, our children's children, we would still be slaves to the current version of Pharaoh in Egypt. Hashem says, this is for them. How could you think this about? How could you think that I'm doing this for no good reason? You know what? As a child, I grew up in a community in the synagogue, in my father's synagogue. You know, I'm the rabbi's kid. Everybody else has a father who has a, you know, a job that makes him a lot more money than a rabbi. Okay? So all of my friends, all of them, had more than I had. So when the Reebok pumps came out, I had to have those. I'm the only kid that didn't have Reebok pumps. I felt terrible, I felt excluded. How come I don't get to have these sneakers? How am I going to jump as high as everybody else, you know? It's not fair. How am I going to run as fast as everybody else without, you know, pumping up the bottom of my shoe? It's just, you know, because the advertisement showed the guy slam dunking with the rear. I was thinking the only thing between me, you know, a four-foot-tall Jewish kid, and Michael Jordan is, is the pumps. How could you deny me that, mama? And then my great-uncle, who was a very kind influence in my life, he came, he says, I'll get him the pumps. Yes! Tell my mother, my great uncle David, he said, I'm gonna get the pumps. And my mother said, no, you're not getting the pumps. I was like, what do you mean? For uncle David promised me. I ran up the stairs and I could see my great uncle, Allah Vashlom, he's arguing with my mother. Do you know what? It takes till now to understand that the greatest gift my mother gave me was the absence of excessive gifts. The greatest gift my mother gave me is she taught me to live life without needing stupid things. She taught me after time, after a time, and trust me, it wasn't easy, but after a time to understand that that was not where the value lie. That was not where the importance lie. You see, what Moshe is being told by Hashem is, if I don't do this, if I don't give this to them now, 
they're never getting out. They'll be slaves forever. So Moshe, Hazaku Baruch, for fighting the fight, for trying to stand up for them, but don't call me evil. There's nothing that hurts more than being told by a child, by your child, I hate you. Is there? The other day I had to go, my son, he's terrified of dentists. I had to go, I'm sitting there holding him with two arms like this, two legs wrapped around his leg, holding his head like this, and the kid is screaming and screaming and screaming. And the dentist had to pull a tooth that, had, that was infected in the gum. His face was blown up. Tell me what you're doing, why are you doing this? You're so mean, I can't believe it. Just tell me what you're doing. He kept saying it again and again. Just tell me, what is he doing? What's he putting in my mouth? What is this thing? What is that tool? He kept, every time we would try and explain to him, but at the end of the day, he's a kid, he couldn't understand it. So what happened? I just told, eventually I turned to the dentist and I said, just, just do it. You know, it's hurting him more. We're holding him more. You're hurting me. Stop holding me so tight. I'm going to sit here. I said, okay, you're going to sit there. We put him down. Of course he doesn't sit there. He's jumping. He's kicking. Do you understand? All of us are the eight-year-old boy sitting in the chair asking Hashem, why? What are you putting? What are you doing? How come you're doing this? All of us. All of us are also, as we grow older, the parent that holds a child down and says, you can't have this. You can't be with this person. You can't go there. You can't dress like this. No, you can't date that person. No, that person, I know who he is. I've had dealings with him. The person's not a good person. We put our foot down and the kids are always asking why. You know what the crazy thing is? We have had the experience as a child. So we know the feeling of asking why. We've had the experience of being the adult where we understand that the kid doesn't always understand and that sometimes you need to do even what he doesn't want you to do because that's what's good for him. And yet, and yet, we cannot somehow translate the experience that we have had from both sides of that spectrum into the relationship between Ngas and God. And we again and again ask Hashem the question, Lama Hareota. And listen to God's words. It's you every time you told your kid, you can't go to the party, you have a finals exam tomorrow. Right? Remember that? You can't go here because of this. You can, you're, you're not feeling well. I'm not letting you have a sleepover. When you have strep, you're going to get him sick. But you're so mean. You're so, we've all done it. And then you know what? We lose our temper. What do we say? Well, you think I enjoy making you do math homework? You think I have some sadistic enjoyment? Listen to Hashem now. Moshe. I think I sent you for nothing. There's, there's something here that needs to get done that is for the benefit of the Jewish people. That's what I'm doing. Bear with me for one second. You know, hopefully you'll be able to see that my intentions for you are always good. Rabbi when our expectations are shattered, remember. When our, we are hurting, remember. When we can't fathom God and we're asking, what are you doing? What are you putting here? What's this in my mouth? What are you doing? Where are you going? Stop holding me so tight. You're hurting me. Just remember all the moments that you did that. And that will help you in those tough times to be able to experience and to feel with truth and sincerity. The emunah shilema that HaKadosh Baruch Hu kol ma avid rahmana. Every single thing that God does. Letav avid. He is doing it. 
for our very best. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen.